Hello and welcome to the Heart to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 55. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. Federer and Djokovic punched their ticket into the final eight on Maniac Monday. Belgium out of the Euros, another disappointment for the golden generation. Spain versus Italy, Denmark versus England. We have our semifinals for Euro 2020. Chris Paul finally makes, makes it to the finals after the Suns eliminate the Clippers in game six. Congratulations to Chris Paul. Also, my finals prediction, Bucks versus Suns. Who do I think is going to win? NCAA finally allows players to get paid. We'll touch on that. And Shakari Richardson gets a suspension for 30 days for testing positive for weed. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Federer and Djokovic played on Maniac Monday at Wimbledon in the round of 16, and they have both successfully punched their ticket into the final eight. Djokovic just putting another masterful performance, beating Garin in three sets, 6-2, 6-4, 6-2. Just completely dominated Garin. Um, to be fair, I don't think Djokovic um, really uh, had to expand too much energy. Uh, it looked like he was cruising for most of the time. He did not play his best game, and I think that's fine. Djokovic is a monster. He's playing some of the best tennis in his career. Uh, Garin, you know, he's trying to move up the ranks, but he couldn't really put too much pressure on Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic probably played his B game today, and that was more than enough. Just goes to show how good Djokovic is. Uh, no surprise there. He's the overwhelming favorite for Wimbledon, and so far, um, you're just trying to look. You're trying to look at, at at the rankings. You're trying to look at the at the table and see where is anyone even going to get a set on Djokovic and it's looking very hard. He is on fire right now. That's one of the things that sets these, not just Djokovic, but like the big three, but especially Djokovic right now, away from um, like all the other, like, you know, top five players rated in the world. Like Sevrev, he got eliminated today. He made it to the semifinals in the French Garros in the French Open at um, Roland Garros, and he's eliminating it now in the round of 16. T.C. Paz, he made it to the finals, put up a fight against Djokovic, and he's out in the first round. Like, it just goes to show you the type, the levels that these m mammoths of the sport are at, especially Djokovic right now. Like, he just doesn't crack. There's not a mental lapse. There's, there's not a drop in play. And, and if there is, it's just for, like, a point or two points. It's never... It's never for a whole set. It's never for a game. It's never for a whole match. It's just what we're seeing from Djokovic is not just on the not just the skill wise, but like the mental fortitude that he has to always stay focused, to always be hungry. Good for Djokovic, man. He he's playing some scary tennis right now, and he's he should be the favorite. He is the favorite, and I would be I would be more surprised if he does not finish with his twentieth. But. My boy Federer also punches his ticket into the final eight. Good job for him. This is the furthest anyone of his age has ever gone at Wimbledon, age 39. He's still getting it done. Um, yeah, it was good. He he uh, he was, he played Sonigo. Uh, he beat him in three sets, 7-5, 6-4, 6-2. So not as handily as Djokovic took care of Garen, but he got stronger as the, as the match went on. And at the end, he was just completely dominating him. He, he sucked the soul out of Sonigo. Um, but yeah, I think Federer, he kind of benefited in the first set. They were tied 5-5. He was up 5-4. It looked like Federer, Federer was going to close him out 6-4. But Sonigo comes back strong, wins his set. When it was 5-3, he wins his set 40-love. And then he surprises Federer on Federer's serve to make it 5-5. And then they're they're battling it out when the game on the on the game where they were tied five five, they were stuck at deuce for a while. Um, Sonigo went up like three times to advantage, but he couldn't close it out. Federer had gone up a couple times, and then it started to rain, so there was like a twenty three minute delay between Federer and Sonigo resume play. Federer was on advantage when um, the rain break started, and when they came back, Sonigo faults two times and loses the set on his serve um, without even getting a rally in. So that was very disappointing. Sonigo played it off with a smile um, when they were switching sides. But I, I know that must have hurt. I know, I know. like, um, like if I, personally, if 
if I'm Sonigo and we're moving into to like another, because then Federer went on to just win that win his um, serve the next round. And he he won seven five. So I know Sonigo must have been thinking like, man, what if what if there was no rain delay? Like, could I have won that set? And things would have gone completely different. Once I'm losing the second set six four, I'm probably it's probably still lingering in my in my mind. Like, damn. I should have won that first set, or I could have ended uh, way different if the rain didn't delay the match. But nevertheless, Federer has gone stronger from round one now to the round of 16, moving along to the final eight. He's definitely picking up his play. It looks like he's gaining confidence. Um, even in his post-game interviews, he's starting to get like his little swagger back. He's talking more more confidently he's cracking jokes he he looks way more relaxed he looks a little more lighthearted. he's like he's really enjoying himself now at the beginning of the of Wimbledon you know he won his first round because I forgot who his opponent was but they got injured so he was kind of like uh you know you never want to win this way I feel I feel bad for him you know obviously the correct response for when something like that happens and but he was in trouble he, he could have lost in the first round second round and then he picks up his play in the third round. Um, and now round of 16, this is probably the best we've seen him. And now he's starting to, you know, you could just feel that he's starting to gain confidence. Um, there's some pictures out there with Federer, like, hitting jump shots and just hitting some shots where he's, like, completely stretched out. And it's just amazing to see Federer playing at this level, at this age. Just, it's amazing. Uh, I hope Djokovic, I hope Nadal are able to go that deep into their careers too because then that would mean they still have like five six years left and that would be amazing for the sport that would be amazing for the fans i i, I know i want to be seeing them um keep playing forever especially because this next generation just can't seem to take that step can't seem to con- consistently like get into semifinals consistently get into finals consistently get at least into the final eight like we're, we're what we we want to see you know tc paz seth rev like they're these guys that are supposed to be taking that next step and it's it's just taking them a while or maybe they'll never do it but it's taking them a while for for them to take the bull by the horns and just continue to you know be dominant like they're ranked high but uh when it comes to the majors they're not consistently getting where you know we would be comfortable you know oh if Federer or Djokovic and Nadal retire these guys are going to be there to you know take the flag take the reins and carry the sport of tennis forward but nevertheless maybe this next generation behind them is going to have more time uh to you know build themselves up as Federer still seems to have gas in the tank and if I'm being honest there there's probably some some people left um that could give Joe because everyone knows Djokovic is the favorite rightfully so Djokovic should be the favorite he's he's earned it he's playing amazing he's hardly breaking his sweat um, they're saying, I'm hearing that Berrettini could give him some trouble. Um, and, uh, pretty much that's it. Like he should be as far as his side on the table, he should make it to the final. Um, not too, not too worried about this side, but if Federer, like the thing that Federer, I want to see a Federer versus Djokovic final. I think everyone wants to see that. It'll be great. Like a rematch from 2019. And, uh, not just because they're. I don't think Federer, I think Federer still has, like, room to grow to get to, like, a couple notches to get back to where he was. Maybe he he won't get to, like, the top, top Federer that we all know, but he could get close to it. And he's he's moving his way, his, his way up. Um, we're still waiting to see, see who he's going to play because uh, Mevbedev versus Murkos got delayed. Rain delay, I think they're going to resume tomorrow, so we'll see who he plays. Um, either or either whoever he plays, it should be a fun match. Uh, hopefully Federer makes it to the semis, makes it to the finals, because Djokovic he could he could just drain you. He could mentally just he's he's mentally so much. He has more fortitude. He has more mental fortitude than anybody else left on the field. So I think he could just punk anybody else, even if they have a stronger serve than Federer, or they could move a little bit better than him at this point in his career. I think Federer just has has a lot of mental fortitude too too he's been there he's done that so i think that would that would be the best final i think uh if it's not Federer, yeah there's some other um players out there that have like a bigger serve harder serve and they can move a little better but 
I think once they get down to Djokovic, they'll just be defeated. They won't be able to keep up. But what do you guys think? Is there anyone left on the table that could that could um, potentially upset Djokovic? Is this is Djokovic just impressing so much that like the rest of the field you'll take Djokovic against the rest of the field? Because I know I would. That was my prediction since the beginning of the of before Wimbledon. I'm happily surprised for, with what I've seen from Federer. I'm disappointed that Sevrev, that Tsitsipas aren't, you know, still still left. But I'm 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 happy with what I've seen at Wimbledon. Uh, but yeah, do you guys think anyone left on the field could potentially upset Djokovic? And if not, you know, who do you think is going to make it to the final? Do you guys think we're in? We're also headed for a Federer Djokovic final because I hope we are. I know some other people, um, you know, are rooting for other people, but let me know what you guys think. Moving along, Belgium has been a disappointment for the last 10 years. The golden generation, we have, um, we've had like a couple tournaments now where they've just not been able to get to a final. Um, the Euros, the World Cup is just getting along in the years where the Belgian team just seems to keep disappointing and disappointing. Kevin De Bruyne, Ro- Romelu Lukaku, Eden Hazard, Thibaut Courtois. Um, you know, we've had other people come and go um, in their rosters. But this is the golden generation for Belgium. And they buy out of Euro 2020, losing to Italy 2-1. to one. Italy, who missed the last World Cup. Italy, who looked like they were, um, you know... They were going towards soccer purgatory, football purgatory, where they're just going to be like a mediocre team in England. England is super competitive. I mean, not England, Europe. Europe is super competitive. So once you, you know, you lose your top end talent, then you can just be stuck in like the middle where you just, you know, you keep competing. You keep, you know, maybe qualifying the Euros, qualifying the World Cup. You miss some, um, you know, it becomes like a, a normal thing for you to miss, you know, like a World Cup or like some Euros because, you know, Europe is so competitive and and you, your roster is just not built like that no more. Italy, it looked like they were heading towards that way. I didn't want that to happen, but it looked like they were heading that way. They did. A, they flip it on their head. They do a complete 180, and now they're in the semifinals. Their team is fun again to watch. But this Italy team that missed the World Cup in 2018 is now, you know, eliminating Belgium with their golden generation. And it's just like, if, if not today at the Euros... Uh, when when is it going to happen for Belgium? Is it going to happen next year in, in next year's World Cup? Because they just seem to be disappointing year in and year out. So they lost to the quarterfinals to Argentina in 2014. They're still young at that point. You know, I remember they beat uh, Team USA, I believe, in the round of 16. That was a great game. It was entertaining. And then uh, in the 2016 Euros, they lost to Wales. They should have never lost to Wales. That was probably the biggest disappointment for this generation. Um Portugal went on to win that in the final against France. Belgium, on paper, had a way better roster than Portugal at the time. You look at the roster that Portugal has right now, that's not the roster they had in 2016. And Belgium, if they beat Wales, you know, they're right there. They could have potentially made some noise in Euro 2016. Um, In the World Cup, they finished in third place, losing to France. All right, you know, France went on to win the World Cup. They had the deepest team in the world that... You know, not too bad. Like it's fine. It's fine to lose. That one's not really like a blemish. Like that one makes sense. But this this time around, like you gotta see, France is out. France was out. Portugal, you guys eliminated Portugal. Germany is out. A lot of the big hitters are out. Like like they should have they should have been extremely more focusing what was left on the field. Like damn, like we we are potentially the the big favorites now that all these other big hitters are out. And they fell. And honestly, they they, they scored their goal on a penalty. Um, deserved. But, like, their players, De Bruyne, he, he keeps getting hurt. This was the best Romelo Lukaku we've had in a while. So I was excited to see them. Thibaut Courtois, I think he should still have this World Cup and the next one. Uh, we'll see how Lukaku is able to maintain. He has a, he's, he's a big guy. So he might be prone to injuries as he ages. Their center backs are getting really old. They're like their average age for that starting back three was like 33, I believe. They were like 35, 34, 32. So I don't know. Belgium has always had, you know, a lot of names going up forward. And they've always been weak at the back. They haven't at first, you know, they had the the, the B center backs in the middle. 
but they didn't have wing backs that could really get the job done. That was their weak point. Now their center backs are also getting old. Like, I don't know how many more years Belgium has left from those center backs. And it's not like they have, like, elite, elite talent coming through the ranks uh, for them. Um, they do have a couple players that you should get excited about. Um, but, like, Belgium kind of reminds me, I'm, I'm Mexican-American. I know and the golden generation gets used a lot. Um, Mexico had a golden generation that won the, the U-17s for Mexico back in, like, 2006, I believe. It consisted of Giovanni Dos Santos. It consisted of Carlos Vela, you know, Villaluz. Ochoa didn't win it, but he was just a couple years uh, ahead of them. Hector Moreno, like Guardado. All of these guys were supposed to be the golden generation for Mexico, and they flopped. You know, Giovanni didn't really do much. Vela was the high, the most talented, but he, he didn't have... You know the mentality to go f- real, real far with um, with football, and 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 it could just it could happen in the blink of an eye. Like one one day, you know, you're the next generation, and you know the 2014 World Cup, the 2014 World Cup comes around, and you know all these players are out of out of teams. They're not getting first team minutes. Giovanni is in the MLS, or he's a sub for Villarreal. He's not really playing. His brother is in the MLS. Velas and MLS, it just everything happens in the blink of an eye, and I know Belgium, their golden generation is on a whole different level level than the Mexican generation. But like I'm telling you, like it could go in the blink of an eye, because I'm pretty sure when Belgium, Belgian fans, any any fan of of these players in 2014 were probably looking at it like, damn, they have a long way to go. They have so much time. They're all they're all puppies. They're all young. They have a long way to go. And now here, look at us, seven years later, in Euro 2020, and. uh they still haven't won anything, and the time is ticking. And uh, I hope Team USA, this is the best team that Team USA has had probably ever. They're starting to get players playing for big teams, playing all over the place, playing all over the Europe. I hope, you know, they take advantage because, you know, Belgium, for all the all the disappointment that they've had, they've, they've third place in the World Cup, semifinals in the World Cup. They've, they've done some noise. If, if Team USA is even able to do that, that should be good. But... Man, for Belgium, I just I really expected more when they were coming up, and you saw how good Kevin De Bruyne was. When you saw uh, how big and powerful Lukaku was, Eden Hazard, Eden Hazard, uh, he's he's he was supposed to be a world beater. He was for a while with Chelsea. He was a beast. Right now, without Madrid, he's struggling with injury. He's struggling with form, but maybe it's not over. I think it's over because in the next year's World Cup, you know, you got all the European big hitters that are going to be there. France is going to be back with the vengeance. Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo's last World Cup, probably, they're going to want to put on a strong showing. Argentina, you get you get the South American teams coming in. Argentina with probably Messi's last World Cup, they're going to want to, you know, put, put make some noise. Brazil with Neymar, they're going to they they just punched their ticket to the final of the Copa America. It's going to be, it just keeps getting harder. This should have been their year, but it wasn't. So what do you guys think? You think this golden generation for Belgium disappointed? And if you think they have disappointed so far, do you guys think they have an opportunity next year in next year's World Cup to make it all right and possibly win the World Cup? Because I don't. Moving along. Spain versus Italy, Denmark versus England, Spain and Italy, two big names in England, two big nations. Italy, one of the teams that have one of the nations that has won the most World Cups. Um, Spain, one of the nations that we all know in modern times, like they've dominated pretty recently. Denmark, uh, Cinderella story from how the world, from how the Euro started with Ericsson going down, losing their first two games. You know, being mentally drained, he, hearing that Ericsson's well, punching their tickets into the round of 16 in the last game, upsetting teams, upsetting teams. Now they're in the semifinals. England, is it coming home? Southgate seems to be punching all the right numbers, all the right moves in this year's Euros. They're looking exciting. They're looking fun. They scored four goals in the round of, in the quarterfinals. What are my predictions for these games? Man, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, Denmark versus England. England is the heavy favorite. They have all the stars. They have the big names. Um, Denmark, what a story. Like, I'm so happy for uh, for all of Denmark, for that team, how resilient they are. 
uh it's just a beautiful story uh, i wish they had i wish that never happened you know i wish ericsson was still healthy playing for denmark rocking the denmark jersey but man what a story spain and italy two two nations that look like they were heading in the wrong direction you know spain after their golden generation winning euros 2008 winning the world cup in 2010 winning euros 2012 like unprecedented success by Spain after years and years of not winning a World Cup. They finally got it done and they looked like they were winning everything. Their players got old. Xavi left. Iniesta left. Casillas left. Ramos is not there. Um, Puyol is not there. There's so many changes in this team. And it just looked like they weren't they weren't the same Spain. And they still might not be the same Spain, but look at them. They're in the semifinals of the Euros 2020 with the chance to go to the finals. Italy missing the World Cup in 2018 and it looked like you know they weren't re- replenishing their talent um it looked like they were playing slow football their defense wasn't the same they weren't as ex- entertaining and now they're playing some of the best soccer in Europe they're one of the most entertaining teams um they put on the show in the Euros and they've been a very very uh complete team it looks like they're having a lot of fun out there so I'm just very excited for these Euro semifinals. Um, all of my predictions were wrong. I had Portugal and France making it to the to the finals. I had England getting rocked, knocked out in the round of 16. But I didn't really have... I had Italy being a dark horse. I didn't have Spain going it this far. Denmark wasn't really in my radar. So I, I could I could admit that I, I, I've been wrong these Euros 2020. And I know a lot of people, other, other people have been wrong too. But I'm just excited. I'm excited for these semifinals. Um, my prediction, I think uh, I think England, I wanted to go with the Denmark upset because it would be a beautiful story. And I like Schmeichel. He's a great keeper. And I like their team. They're, they're not like elite, elite talent, but they all play hard. And you could tell how much uh, that jersey means to them, that crest means to them. So it would be a beautiful thing. It would just be like a beautiful Cinderella story to see Denmark go into the finals of euro 2020 but i just think england is is on is on a good one right now they're on fire um they're playing good they look like like they like each other like you hear reese james on twitter saying like people are trying to like clown on him like you didn't even play why are you celebrating he's like uh it doesn't matter like this is we're all one team um you hear about connor cody being a great leader shout out to uh the wolves captain but Everything that I'm hearing from the England camp just reeks of a positive environment of Southgate, you know, building the right squad, picking the right players. Everyone seems to be, you know, tied at the hip. They're all on one string. That, so all of that just gives me a lot of optimism for England to go all the way to the finals. And they just take they took care of Ukraine 4-0. It was an impressive, impressive display of football. Sancho finally got to play. He looked dangerous. He had the most take-ons by any of the players on the field. He looks very, very dangerous. Um, so, yeah, like Denmark, it would be beautiful. Like I've said, I would love to pick you guys, but I just can't pick, pick against England right now. They're playing beautiful soccer. Their back their back line is looks like it's impenetrable. Maguire, who I've... Um, definitely had my fair share of words for over the years or uh, since i started making this podcast over the years too but since i've started making this podcast i've had my you know choice of words for mcguire that he you know he, he was not worth the money he's been a disappointment but he's been rock solid for england and stones too that pairing has been great pickford he hasn't really had a chance to make a mistake but when he's been called for he's been solid uh kane is starting to find the back of the net sterling just is picking up steam right now that team looks solid everywhere luke shaw it it just looks like a really really good england team they're starting to play up to their level and i have them beating denmark 2-0 in the semifinals and italy italy for spain that's the i think that's a little harder to pick italy um i believe they are the favorites they they just beat belgium they've been playing a good good soccer good football spain you know they struggled a little bit in the quarterfinals they had to go to semi they had to go to penalties and they beat switzerland 3-1 in penalties after it looked like they were going to lose in penalties um they had missed a few of the first ones 
but they were able to, you know, Switzerland missed a lot. They skied one over the over the goal. So Spain squeaked out a victory in quarterfinals, which would lead me to believe that Italy is the team that's going to beat them. I think it's going to be close. I don't think I think Spain has a lot of fight in them. Like this Spain team is not at, is nowhere near as talented as as nice on the eyes to see play. They're not they, they're still lacking a striker to score goals, but they play with a lot of heart and they play with a lot of intensity. And I like that from Spain. But Italy, I think Italy this is this is the perfect combination of, you know, young and old players. Um, their center backs are still leaving it all out on the field. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, Italy is the team that's gonna, uh, make it to the finals. Like they have Cellini, they have Bonucci still being rock solid at the back. Uh, I forgot who still call them the best partnership in the world. Uh, I think that's, I think that is correct. I think Bonucci and Cellini are the best um center back pairing in the world still Jorginho has not stepped a wrong foot in this Euros 2020 and uh Insigne Immobile they've all been really good I think Insigne scores the goal against Spain I think it's going to be a tight low scoring affair I think it's going to be a 1-0 victory Italy takes out Spain tomorrow they punch their ticket to the finals so one more time the hard to handle sports prediction for the semifinals in Euros 2020 I have Spain losing to Italy 1-0, and I have England beating Denmark 2-0, and I have an Italy versus England final, and I'll give you my prediction when that happens, if it happens. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? Who do you guys think is going to win in the semifinals of the World Cup? I mean, of the Euros 2020? Uh, let me know um, down below. Also, Chris Paul punches his ticket to the finals for the first time. Uh, shout out to Chris Paul. After so many, so many years of being in the NBA, he finally gets to the finals, uh, taking down the Clippers out of all teams. You can't write this story. It's it's an amazing, amazing story. It comes full circle. Um, we live in a simulation. How does this happen? In Staples Center, the um, the home that he kind of helped build for the Clippers. It's not really a home. It's still the Laker town. But uh, Chris Paul helped build the Clippers. Chris Paul changed the face of the Clippers, made them into a relevant team. Him and Blake Griffin were a shift in direction for that franchise. Um, they completely, them two players are responsible for how we view the Clippers now. Up a team that you know is going to be a playoff team year in and year out, and a title contender, and you know. That's how we look at the Clippers now. That's not how we looked at them before. Yeah, we clown on the Clippers. We talk about how, you know, they're the little brothers of the Lakers and they're going to choke, 3-1 lead, all that stuff. But before, they weren't even on your radar. You weren't even talking about the Clippers. They were irrelevant. Now we talk about them. They're a respected team. And Chris Paul was, you know, he was the one that was that held the flag for the Clippers to put them into this position and to punch his ticket into the NBA Finals by defeating the Clippers, that's just poetic. That's just come going full circle. So I tip my hat for Chris Paul. He had a great game. He dropped 40 on them, I believe, 40-plus points. Just an amazing game. Uh, he got under the skin of Beverly, who that's his thing, and he didn't like it when Chris Paul, you know, got the best of him, pushed him in the back. That's a weak move by Beverly. But let's, I digress. Let's, let's focus on Chris Paul. This is a great story. Everywhere he's gone, he's helped them become a better team. Um, it was whether when was it when he got drafted, he, he made the New Orleans better. He was a great player for them. He went to the Clippers. He took him to that next level. He made them relevant. He went to the Rockets. There were two. There were one win a game from the finals. And if you know D'Antoni maybe plays it a little better if he doesn't get hurt, they should have probably won that year. They give up on him. He goes to OKC. They're projected to be the worst team in the NBA. People are calling his contract the worst contract in NBA history. And all he does is wheel them into the playoffs, almost upsetting the Rockets and moving on to the second round of the playoffs. So, And now he goes to the Suns, and people are just like, man, they'll be with Chris Paul and Booker. You know, I can see the Suns maybe getting the eighth seed, maybe getting the seventh seed. Uh, ninth missing the playoffs by a little bit they'll probably be a playing team highest you know maybe they get a fifth sixth seed 
all they do is get the second best, the second seed in the West. I believe the third best record in the NBA or second best record in all of the NBA. And now they're in the finals against the Bucks, and they are the favorites uh, because John is a hurt, but they're still the favorites. So he, Chris Paul might win a championship this year. And, you know, all the interviews, he said that he's never lost faith. And that's not how he's built. And that's just, I believe him because he could have easily packed it up. He could have easily, you know, just gotten paid. He had a big contract, four years, 160 60 plus million, I believe. He was making 40 plus. He could have just called it. He could have just been like, you know what? I had a great career. I'm going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, everyone knows I'm one of the best point guards of all time. If I didn't win a championship, like, oh, well, like my body is kind of giving up on me. Or like I've, I've been hurt in the postseason like these last couple of years. It is what it is. You know, I, I'll have I'll have I'll kind of have an excuse like, you know, I, I could have won it, but I got hurt. You know, all those no one likes excuses, but he could have, you know, played that card. He could have convinced himself like it's not like, you know, I just had bad luck. I had bad luck. They blocked my trade to the Lakers. I could have teamed up with Kobe. I got drafted in New Orleans, you know. A lot of things he could have said to convince himself that it was fine to call it a career, to just be happy with everything that he did. Like 10 plus times all-star, you know, first teamer, first ballet hall of fame. He could have convinced himself so easily to just been like, I had a great career and it just wasn't meant to be. And it's it is what it is. Let me just collect this money play these last four years of this huge contract that i did deserve but maybe i'm a little older right now it could have been so easy for chris paul to say that and just cash in play out his last few years uh kind of do like what al horford is doing right now not really getting too much playing time but still collecting money just sitting back he could have been a mentor and everybody would have probably you know still clapped the little hands at chris paul oh look he's a good mentor he's a good guy yeah he's his contract is really weighing down this team but look at him he's he's still helping this point guard he's making him better but no chris paul had that different mentality um with okc carrying them into the playoffs and now he's getting his dividends he's getting what he deserves he's in the finals so shout out to chris paul that perseverance the never give up attitude is something that i could really really respect i could really try to strive and you know try to hone it in for myself just be like kobe be like chris paul never give up always move forward and strive for your best so shout out to chris paul great story uh he seems like he's a good dude um and the inside of the court when you're playing him he could be annoying he could be a flopper he could be very savvy and get you into dumb fouls he could, you know, he's a lot, he's a nuisance, but he's an elite player. So you give him a little, a little bit of, um, of room for his t tactics or semantics. But outside, you know, he, yeah, he seems like he's a good guy. He, he donates to charity. So I am happy for Chris Paul. What do you guys think? Are you guys happy for Chris Paul? Do you guys think he's going to win a championship? Is this deserved? I'm happy for Chris Paul. And now my finals prediction Bucks versus Suns. The Suns are the favorites for game one and for the series. It looks like Giannis is going to play in the finals from what I'm hearing. Like they're listing him doubtful for game one. So that gives me reason to believe that he should probably be back by game three. If if, if they're making it seem like it could all be smoke and mirrors too. Like the Bucks could just do this for every game like let's say they get swept they could do this for every single game they could do it for game one game two game three game four they could just be like oh he's so close he's so close he's doubtful he's doubtful and he never plays and it's all just a smoke screen but i don't think it's a smoke screen i do think he has a chance to play in game one by the way everyone's talking about him by the way you know all these tweets are coming out i do think he has a chance to play in the finals and I would not be shocked. I mean, I would be shocked, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities if he plays in game one tomorrow or whenever you're hearing this. If he plays in game one, it would not be out of the realm of possibilities. He could definitely suit up for game one from what I'm hearing. So my prediction is he misses game one. He gets super close to playing game two, but he doesn't. And he comes back for game three. 
for the first game in Milwaukee after the two in Phoenix. And if he does come back for game three of the NBA Finals, I think they have a good chance of winning. But I do think they need to get a split because that first game back, I don't think I don't think it's going to be the most smooth game for the, for the Bucks. I don't think you just put in Giannis in his first game back and he wins that game and you start rolling. So I do think it's crucial for the Bucks to get a split in Phoenix. Someone has to go off. Middleton, Holiday, Brooke Lopez. It's going to be hard because Aiton is a monster. But whoever, one of these guards, Booker and CP3 against Middleton and Drew Holiday. Advantage Suns, but not by so much that you could think that the the Bucks are not able to to get a, a victory in Phoenix. Drew Holiday's he he has the best defense out of any of the guards. He could he's gonna give Booker a hard time. I'm gonna say it right here. Booker's gonna get his, but Holiday is gonna make it real hard for him. And the Suns the Suns could shoot anybody out at the gym. But the Bucks were the best three-point shooting team in the NBA for the regular season. So it's going to be a fun game, even without without Giannis. And I do think he's coming back game three. But I think they lose the first game that he comes back because he's going to be rusty. He's not going to have played in like two weeks. He's definitely not going to be 100%. And it's, it, it, the Bucks play differently when Giannis is on the field, on the court, than when Giannis is not on the court. So I do think they lose the first game that Giannis comes back. Just because it's going to be an adjustment. So it is crucial that the Bucks get a split in Phoenix. And I think they are going to get a, a, a split just because I think Middleton and Holiday and, and somebody else, uh, so one of the role players, are going to have a good game and they're just going to click. And they're going to steal one in Phoenix, lose game three when Giannis comes back, in my opinion. And then Giannis gets it going and they win. In six or seven, probably seven. It's probably gonna go seven. Bucks win in seven in Phoenix. That's my prediction. But if Jonas doesn't come back, if Jonas misses the whole finals or comes back like game four, game five, it's done. This this series is done. Um, because I think if Jonas doesn't play game three, they still lose game three. And then when he comes back in game four, you know, that rust game, the the team changing tactics, they lose that one too. But they got to get a split. Jonas comes back. Maybe they even win the first game that he comes back, but I don't think so because it's a whole different style of play that they play with Jonas and without. And for all those people that have been saying that the Bucks are better without Jonas, I get I kind of get where you're coming from. I kind of get where you're coming from just because the team does look a little a little like faster pace and everyone can shoot for the most part when he's not there, but there's no way the Bucks are better with, without Jonas. There's just absolutely no way that they're better with without a two-time MVP. That's ridiculous. But I would I would agree that it has unlocked a little bit of Drew Holiday and Middleton to to a small degree because both of them have always had the capabilities of doing this. They've just been hesitant and more so than hesitant, they're inconsistent. So they've had good games with Giannis too and now they've had they've strung a couple games together without him. But that could just be part of the inconsistency, too. Like, we might see the other side of it in these first two games in Phoenix. Like, just because we saw them close out the Hawks and, you know, they look hot, they look good, doesn't mean that they're not susceptible or they're not very likely to just put put up, put up bad numbers or put up really bad play in these first two games against the Suns. And if they do, then people are going to be like, there it is. Well, obviously, they're not going to play good without Giannis, and the script is going to completely flip. But I do think they play a little more free without him, but they're, by no chance are the Bucks better without Giannis. I'm rambling. I have the Bucks in seven if Giannis comes back game three or before. If he doesn't come back or if he comes back game four, game five, Suns in six. That's my prediction. And I'll be happy regardless um, I don't hold the grudge against the Suns for eliminating the Lakers. And the Bucks are are I like to root for the Bucks. They're easy teams to root for. Giannis, he's a he seems like a really fun, really down to earth guy. I've been a fan of him since he was rated 64 on NBA 2K 14 or whenever he came into the draft. I think it was 14 when he was like 
64 rated and he had like no potential. I liked him back then. And uh but yeah, Bucks in 7 if Giannis comes back by game 3 or before Suns in 6 if he doesn't play or he comes back game 4 or later. That's my official prediction. What do you guys think? Who are you guys rooting for? If you guys are neutrals, are you guys rooting for anybody? Or are you just hoping for good basketball? Um, I think it's going to be good finals. A lot of people are harping on it, like Suns versus Bucks. Like, no one wanted to see this. I think both teams play really fun basketball, especially the Suns. So I'm excited to see these finals. I hope we get a good, entertaining series. The NCAA is finally allowing players to get paid. They are able to get paid um, by their name, by their brand, by their likeness, by their face. It's called the NIL they're, they could get paid for their name, image, and likeness. So this is this is a step in the right direction. Um, it's finally fair. It's always been fair for for players, for collegiate players to get paid. Uh, NCAA is a billion-dollar corporation. They make so much revenue of these players. The amount of income, of revenue that they're bringing in year in and year out is ridiculous, and they get to keep all of it. The colleges get to keep everything. The NCAA gets to keep everything. And the players, the ones that are putting on the show, the ones that are providing the product, get no cut of the pie. They get an education. Yeah, they get a scholarship. But that scholarship could be revoked at any time. They're not guaranteed to even finish school. They like So many things could happen. Players could get hurt. Scholarships could get revoked. They get nothing from this pie, in my opinion, till this day. And I'm very happy that this is happening that this is a reality now i hope everyone could find some type of deal uh there was like a funny one I, I i can't seem to remember what it was but i think someone was selling like fireworks or something like small and they were getting paid for it and it was just like yes like this is what we're talking about like it doesn't have to be not every athlete is gonna get you know the big nike deal the big adidas deal under armor new balance not everyone's gonna get all these big companies coming to them hitting them up being like hey do you want to be uh you know paid by us obviously big players zion williamson would have had no problem just signing for everybody you know all these big college players trevor lawrence justin fields all these players could have been gotten paid by big big companies but it's not just about those it's about the local companies that kind of want to sponsor the local hero the local local college star and i think now that we're starting to see it, it's it's a good it's good. It warms my heart. Pay these pay these players. I'm happy for it. Like m let them get some bread. Let them get a cut of the pie. It should have always been like this. They should always have been to market themselves. They should always be able to sign their jersey and you know try to raffle it out, make some money. I I see no problem with it. I think it's good for the sport. And it's about damn time that the NCAA allows this to happen. And hopefully we move towards um players getting paid like directly by the ncaa i don't know how th there has to be a fair way to make it work obviously the big schools uh, would be able to pay their players more or i don't know how they could they could put a cap on it they should get paid in my opinion but this is a step in the right direction i hope as many players that are out there could find some type of deal some type of sponsorship something that could benefit them and you know could make them a little more whole, a little more bread as they're in college because a lot of these players, their name is never going to be bigger than when they're in college, when they're playing the sport. A very small percentage, a very tiny, tiny percentage actually make it to be a pro. Um, some people go overseas to play in their sport. Others just, you know, fizzle out. They just become local heroes. They become people that, you know, look into their yearbooks, look into their old pictures, look into their old Facebook walls, on their old local news articles they just fizzle out and that's just missed opportunity they're they're never really going to be able to make money off their name as when they're playing for their colleges when they're a star when they're local stars when they're national stars for big college teams big college programs so i'm i'm just happy like i'm ecstatic i'm happy i hope all these players get paid um and i hope reggie bush gets his heisman back because that was a big issue with reggie bush he he like someone like was trying to help him out to get his family some type of money to get him some you know some stuff and he paid for it they took his they took his uh his records out the the NCA record books they took his Heisman 
they kind of ran his name through the dirt if we're being honest um and i don't think he deserved that he was for for i think reggie bush is just was just trying to do what a lot of these players are trying to do and some of them probably got away with it too like like they're the stars they're the ones that are bringing the income they're the ones that people are tuning in to see so give reggie bush his heisman bag and i'm just glad the ncaa athletes are finally getting paid they're finally getting their seat at the table they're finally getting a cut of the pie and they're gonna get some bread and i'm super happy for them what do you guys think? I know there's some people out there that are like, this is going to ruin college sports. They're not going to play for the passion and they're not going to play for the love of the sport. Uh, the scholarship is more than enough. If you're one of those, let me know why you think that way. I'm, I'm very interested to hear your side of the story. But as far as I'm concerned, I am super ecstatic, super happy that this is happening. But let me know down below if you guys think this is a good tweet at me at hard to handle sports underscore tweet at me let me know if you think this is a good idea and why or if it's not a good idea if this is going to ruin college sports and why and the last topic i want to talk about shikari richardson gets a 30-day suspension by the olympics for testing positive for weed like this is this is disappointing for me in so many levels i'm, I'm disappointed because i wanted to see richardson to the woman's 100 fastest woman alive she's gonna probably break the olympic world record she's gonna steal all the headlines she looks so cool with her hair flowing her orange hair her long nails her tattoos she was ready to become the face of the woman's 100 meter race and now we won't be able to see her so i'm disappointed selfishly i'm disappointed for me because i don't get to see it i'm disappointed for her because it's a great opportunity she was becoming a star and I'm disappointed in the Olympics because they seem to be stuck in past times. Like the the state that she did weed in is legal. It's legal in like I believe like 21 states in the states. Um, it just seems like they're stuck in the Stone Age. Weed is not a sports enhancement. It doesn't enhance you in any ways. She said she smoked it because her mom died and she was you know battling depression or she was very down obviously so her mom died and i just think weed is not one of those drugs that you gotta you, you should be testing for in the olympics anymore like like it's not it's really not a performance <laughs> it's not gonna help you run any faster and if, and if shikari richardson was um for the lack of better words dumb enough to smoke like let's say right before the 100 meters it was not gonna benefit her so like it's not and, and you're allowed to drink. So, like, she could have been drunk going into the women's 100, and that would have been perfectly fine. No one would have batted an eye. People would have just said, like, oh, that's very dumb. Why would she do that? But it's allowed. But, like, if she would have been high, like, and, and all these scenarios are just crazy because it would have never happened. She, like, she was not running high. She just, she got high off the court, off the field, off the track and field, and she tested positive for it, and now she's getting suspended, and we're not going to see her in the hundreds. We might see her in the four by one hundreds, but it just seems like we're <laughs> the Olympics are stuck in Stone Age, and we got to keep moving forward. And it's just very hypocritical of them when they allow like you could literally be drunk in in the Olympics, and no one bats an eye, but she tested positive for weed, and everyone's going crazy, and they want to suspend her. Let her run. Let her run. Um, but I'm just, I'm, I feel, I'm, I'm saddened by this. I know how much this meant to Shikari Richardson. But I, I like the attitude that she's taking. She's going on to talk shows. She's giving her side of the story. She's saying, like, like it must be really, really hard for her to talk about this, too, because she she keeps on having to talk about how sad her, her mom passing away made her and how she's been dealing with, like, that sadness and that relaxation that her mom is gone and you know weed helped her you know relax and take the edge off a little bit and now because she's in the spotlight and because this is happening she just have she just has to keep reliving those moments day in and day out and she can't seem to get away with it so i just for for her for richardson's sake i just hope she's she's she has a good support team 
I hope her team is behind her, her family is behind her, and I hope she's she's getting through. I know this is this must be really really hard on her like mentally, <clears throat> and I just hope her mental health is is good or it's not like deteriorating. I know it's hard. It's gonna be hard for it to be like amazing or just for her to be all super jolly and just you know think that everything is fine but everything happens for a reason i like the attitude that she has she's already saying like eh, all these people that think they're perfect that are judging me you know good for you i'm happy that you guys are, are perfect i'm paraphrasing she said something along those words and she said i might not be you know the olympic champion this year but i am going to be the world champion next year when she does the the world competition for dragon field so I like I like that positive attitude that she has, and I think the Olympics has to reconsider like what they're testing for. I, like we're moving forward, is we're not stuck in the Stone Age. They should never even be testing for um, marijuana. I know the NBA is not going to test for it anymore. The NFL is moving towards that direction too. They're not going to test for marijuana. So I think that's just that's where we gotta we, we gotta start heading as like. All, all sports we got to start heading in that direction and like we've as the years go by we're starting to see the benefits of marijuana as as you know as a supplement instead of using um painkillers which painkillers are super addictive they ruined they ruin livers they ruin careers taking painkillers is not as far as i'm concerned you should you shouldn't if you have the opportunity to smoke weed or take painkillers by all means, weed is way healthier. Painkillers, all these other pharmaceuticals that they're trying to push on these athletes. Like, come on. Like, what are we doing? Why are we stuck in the Stone Age? What are we doing? This should never be a story. Not in 2021. And I just feel for Shikari Richardson. I hope that, you know, like I said already, I hope she has a strong support team. I hope she's doing okay. I just really feel really sad for her because I was super excited for her. For her to do good in the olympics i was going to definitely tune in and it, this must just be devastating all the work that she's put in to get to this level and to be taking it away like just like that like it's very disappointing and i hope we move forward and we're not this we don't hear similar stories like this anymore but that should do it for the hard to handle sports podcast episode 55 um as always continue to watch sports continue to have a good time tune in on the next episode wimbledon is heating up um the final eight is coming up semifinals of the euros start tomorrow um the finals start tomorrow um the, the olympics are right around the corner it's a good time to be a sports fan i hope you guys are enjoying all your sports i hope the teams you guys are rooting for have a lot of success and i hope you guys are back here for episode 56 of the hard to handle sports podcast subscribe on youtube subscribe on uh, apple music spotify amazon music google podcast wherever you're listening to this subscribe thank you so much for listening to me this has been around 53 minutes it's a long time to listen to me have a good rest of your day i am out